October, Friday the 13th, 1989, Jimmy Wade Martin's body was found on a street in the small town of Bonterre, Missouri. When there are witnesses, a murder weapon, and a taped confession, how exactly does a murder become a cold case? This case has not ended by any stretch of the imagination. A lot of people in that town's not going to. You know, come. rumor has it it was big brawl, big bar fight. County jail. We have been working so hard on this. I can't be silent anymore. You know, like you know that guy that got killed here last night. There was rumors going around like the next day. We started doing a lot with Facebook. The question is, what happened to Jimmy Wade Martin? From Blueburn Productions. This is Small Town Forgotten. I'm your host, Chris Holsey. I want them to know that I didn't do this, and I want them to believe this in their heart, know without a doubt, and whatever I can do to help them know this, of course. Thanks to the St. Francis County Prosecutor's press release and the subsequent news coverage, like St. Louis's Fox 2 News, Yahoo, MSN, and various national news outlets, our listening audience has jumped to twice what it was formerly. And with that jump, of course, we've received more questions and comments, a lot of them pertaining to David Brian White specifically. Is he still a suspect? Does he know who did it? Why is he in prison now? In December, the twins were able to play the first episode of the podcast for David, and then I had an opportunity to interview him myself. I'm glad you got to hear it. I said, I'm glad you got to hear it. Me and Mariah were trying to figure out a way because it's like we're stamps for every 30 seconds. So how much more time do you have? I've still got, I've still got like 35 minutes. Oh, okay. I'm going to introduce you to my cousin Chris, okay? He's the voice of the podcast. Okay. Yeah. Hold on. I'm going to put him on. Hello, David. Hello, Chris. Hi. Wow, it's uh, surreal to be talking to you. Very. Very. How, um... What did, what did you think about the podcast? I know it's probably, um... I liked it. You liked it? I liked Yes, I did. Um, I, I, first off, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you talking to me. Honestly, that's, uh... Right. Okay. It's, I've been waiting for this and hoping for this for... Here. I really appreciate you being willing to, to talk and, and help us out. It's no problem. It's, no, it's not a problem at all. It's, uh, you know, it's been a long time in coming. And, you know, I'm, like I said, it's a blessing. You know, it's, uh, it's, been, it's been rough. You know, all these years it's been rough. You know, because it's like, why won't they do nothing? You know, and they just keep coming you know, at me, and why won't they do, you know, go for the truth, like the tall guy, who is this tall guy, and there's so much other things, you know, you know yeah, absolutely, tall guy that they save from being and stuff, and just, I mean, I was, I was 24 years old when this happened, you know, I'm 56 now, and, um, you know, I was a scared to death kid, you know, you know, I was scared to death. They were, you know, and it, but it wasn't, you know, they, I, I heard where they said that, that it was Jimmy that came from the bar that night, and it wasn't. 
you know, he wasn't chasing me. Um, I didn't see him and, and even know that until I went to my preliminary hearing and I stood up and turned around to some family members and told him that is not the person that I hit. And my attorney told me to shut up. But the ones that was chasing me was a guy that I later found out was a guy named and a guy named and, uh, uh, who, who, oh, how did you find that out? I didn't know. From my attorney. Okay. Were you, were you involved in in a fight that night at all? Other than than that specific yeah, I incident? I tried to stop them from beating on one guy. I tried to stop them three from beating on one guy. And I didn't know none of these people. Didn't know none of their names until until all this happened. And then whenever I stopped them on him. That's when they all came chasing after me. So the people were were beating on Yeah. Okay. Can you name did did you know any of the people that were there that night? I didn't know. No, I didn't know anybody. I didn't. I was only in town for 14 hours when they came in a And And what were you in town for? Visiting my, my mom my son down my mom. Okay. And so... I was actually born in Bonker. Okay. Can you, can you kind of talk me through... Uh, so you were walking by, there was a fight going on, you you attempted to break it up. Um, what, what happened after that, to the best of your recollection? Oh, and all hell just broke loose. They just come at me with, you know, all kinds of weapons and and I just ran and and so I fell down and man there's so much more to it than, and see it's like the tall guy I knew that uh, my attorney told me that this call is from a correctional facility and may be monitored and recorded that left from the scene and this tall guy leaped from the scene or whatever but and went underneath the street like that's really all I know so, you know, I've been pretty much kept in the dark on everything. It just seems like that's how everybody wants it. H- had you ever met Jimmy? Ever? Never in life. Did Never you, a- after seeing a, a photo of him, did did you see him that night at all? They, no. You did not see him at all? So no, you, that's, that's when I stood up in the courtroom. I stood up in the courtroom in my preliminary area, and I turned around. I'm, I'm assuming it was family members of Jimmy, and I turned around and I told him, that is not the man I hit. And my attorney told me to shut up, and then I went, went back to jail. I said it again, and they took me back to jail, kept me in jail all that time. I seen some pretty gory stuff there, um, you know, with a guy named hanging himself right next to me. You know, I woke up and found him. I just, all kinds of crazy stuff. And it was, it's been bad. It's been bad. David, why was your case dismissed, to your knowledge? Uh, all I know is they came to me and they drew blood from me. And after the DNA came back, they said, if DNA comes back, but what we believe come back we're going to release you today and I said okay let's do it and they took my DNA and that's it that's all I know 
and then you were released after that? I was, I was released right after that. Did you see or did you have any names of any witnesses that were involved? Um, no. You, you no, I, I didn't know. Like I said, I didn't know anybody there. Uh, so you had, man, you had no... You didn't know a single person. You didn't hear of any witness testimonies. Did no. did did anybody implicate you other than yourself that night or that next day? Did anybody implicate you in the in the crime? I have you know I have no idea if anybody did or not. I think the only one that was implicated was the guy that they seen go underneath the lights. It's the only ones that I have any idea that. You know, were involved in something that 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 bad. I mean, that was bad. That that was that was bad. That was, it had to be personal. You know, in my opinion, it had to be personal. I agree. Tell tell me about and I, and I've talked to Andrea and Angela about this too. What was it like the the first time you met Andrea and Angela? It it, it was all I you know I thought it was awesome and they you know because. For them to even listen to anything that I had to say, and that you know, that was a blessing. That was a blessing, God. I don't care what anybody says. You know, I just got hit by uh, an eighteen wheeler on my motorcycle in Waco, Texas, in March, March thirty first, and and I, I've been wondering why it didn't kill me. And then whenever I met the girls, I was like, well, maybe this is why. And thank you, you no, know, uh, because. I want them to know that I didn't do this, and I want them to believe this in their heart and know without a doubt in whatever I can do to help them. That that's my, you know, I mean, maybe that's why I was kept alive. You know, maybe that's why God let me live through that. You know, I don't know, but you know, I'm like I said, a pretty gory thing in my life, and throughout all this, and you know, experienced really crazy things, and I. Knowing that I'm, I'm innocent, this I believe that our victim went well. I I thought they were very good kids, and I think Jimmy be very very proud of them. Uh, like I said, I don't know him either, but I know if they were my daughters and I was the father, I would be damn proud of them. You know, I agree with you. Bless their heart. David, I'm going to ask you another question, and I mean, I think you've already answered it, but I just I want to ask you. Did you kill Jimmy Wade Martin? No, I did not. No, I did not. Most definitely not. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that really, you know, that this is such a blessing for because it's, you know, I'm pretty sick and I'm surrounded by this coronavirus here, so I might not make it out of here. And if, if I die, they know that I'm innocent of this. That that you know that that is it's gonna be a great person to be. You know, uh, I can die peacefully. Okay, I want to ask specifically about so um, you had swung a timber or a board or something and. And did hit somebody, and you were under the impression that possibly it was what? There's yeah, there's, there's several the reports. Yeah. Was it a was it a landscape timber? Was it a four by four? Was it a two by four? Because yeah, it, it's, it was a it was a 
it was a four by four piece of landscape timber. Okay, so it was when like they were a, chasing me, I fell down and it was there. So it was like a four by four that was rounded off on the sharp corners. So it was it was a landscape timber like that you would put mulch in. Yeah, it's what it was. Okay. I think so. Yeah, I think you put mulch in. You didn't do that. And it was just laying on the ground, or you pulled it out of uh, some landscaping, or no? It was laying on the ground. It was laying on the ground where I fell. Okay. And there was no running after that. There was no running. I was surrounded by the three of them, and there was no running from that. I think you had said something about a baseball bat. Yeah. In... Yeah. So who had a baseball bat, or, yeah. or what do you remember was... about a ball bat? He had the baseball bat. The big guy, the great big guy. Had the baseball. Well, he was all—he was big to me back then. He was sure. He was big to me, but I was only 24 year old. And he was chasing he you. Was big. Yeah, and he was chasing me. Him and the, the two others. And they, he kept trying to hit me with that baseball bat. And that's and that one that jumped in at me and got hit with the stick. How has that specific night affected your life over the last 31 years? Oh my God. Oh my God. It, it, it's still affecting my life. No, Still affecting my life, what? and I've seen and experienced a lot of uh, a lot of things that people should have to see or nightmares. It's just that alone has been a nightmare, heart wrenching, you know. And I've thought about the girls ever since. I thought they were thirteen years old when this happened. I think that's what the newspaper back then said, and I felt so. So for them, because I had kids back then too, and, um, I can't imagine what my kids would have thought or felt. And my kids are having to live, have had to live it for the 31 years too, of losing their father and uh, my daughter in contact with, you know, Andrea and Angie uh, has also had to live without her father and. Uh, Lost her mother in 2001. So yeah, it's it's been it's been a miserable life. I know what they're going through. I know I feel so far, you know. Again, it's just a blessing, and I, and I'm you know I'm glad that you know I believe that I had some angels that looked over me, and I believe that Jimmy's one of them. And, I believe that in my heart, and I believe he's been looking over me all these years and protecting me all these years. And I believe I was free from the beginning because of him. And, you know, and I don't care what anybody says or thinks about that or feels about that. I believe that he's an angel, and I believe that he is his protecting me and looking over me for all these years. You know, people thought I was crazy whenever they dismissed the charges because I had a dream one night, and I told my mom about this, and I told. James Kellogg and uh, Rose, you know, Junior Kellogg and Rosemary Kellogg, when they came to pick me up from the jail, when they were taking me there, I said it's going to be okay. That Jimmy came to me in my dreams and told me that it was going to be okay and I'm going to be released. And they all thought I was crazy. And then when I was released, I was like, I told you. And I believe, and I still, I think that Jimmy's got a lot to do with us getting together and, you know, and trying to work together and, and make and get this get this fixed. Well, my hope is that we can use all of us together 
and you especially since you were the only one that was that it was even there that night to get something figured out on this case and get some closure for Andrea and Angela. That's exactly. that's the goal of all this. Exactly. This is meant to happen. What's up, true crime podcast listener? Hope you're enjoying Small Town Forgotten, a podcast that takes place in my hometown of Bonterre, Missouri. Whenever you need a break from the true crime genre, come on over and see us at Mostly Superheroes, a podcast that discusses TV and film, old and new, things like Airplane or Game of Thrones. We talk about it all. Come see us at MostlySuperheroes.com and listen where you get your podcast. Enjoy the rest of the show. You see, David Brian White said that he would do anything to help the twins find justice for their dad. He believes that Jimmy Wade himself had visited him in his dreams, letting him know that he will be okay. David said that he felt fortunate to be included. When law enforcement reached out to us, we discussed with them our doubts about David Brian White being Jimmy Wade's murderer. And once they had looked at the evidence themselves, they seemed to have come to the same conclusion. They told us that what would be helpful in eliminating David as a suspect altogether would be to have him agree to take a polygraph test. David Brian White passes the polygraph and law enforcement can move past David Brian White. So we asked him and he said yes. And then he said no at the most pivotal moment in the investigation, David Brian White reneged. David has been in and out of prison since his early 20s. As he said, he's in his 50s now. Even if you don't know anyone who has had that life experience, it's almost a stereotype on TV. The prisoner or ex-con who distrusts law enforcement. But David Brian White An individual who served at least three years for a crime he didn't commit? He has even more reason to distrust the system in any form. He said yes to the twins and myself, but once the highway patrol was involved with him directly, he couldn't bring himself to do it. Yes, I know it looks suspicious. That he would now refuse what he promised he would do. But I understand. I really do. He's scared. He knows he didn't do it. I think he even believes that we don't think he did it. But how can he trust the system that put him in jail in the first place? The twins were frustrated and surprised. They felt the need to talk to him again, reminding him of the goal, asking him to have faith. This call is from a correctional facility and may be monitored and recorded. He really didn't say a whole lot. He just sent me a copy of the Daily Journal of what it said anyway. Yeah. That's about it. I'm hoping you guys can tell me a little something. I mean, they've been investigating and talking to different people and things like that, but I mean, me and Angela is just hoping something will happen soon. I don't know. They haven't just any kind of timeline or anything like that when they might or anybody who they've been talking to or anything um just people that were possibly there that night 
Chris said they was talking to a lot of different people who've been coming forward, which is awesome, you know? Yeah. But they really haven't said too much, man. It's still got me a little shaky. And they're working with us, and so I know they don't think that, you know, it was you. So I don't know where that's coming from, but the thing of it is, like, without you, it's going to be hard. I feel like, I mean, I feel like if you were on our side, it would be, it would be better for us, you know, like if you, if you cooperated with them, that way they could get to the truth. And I feel like they would have a stronger case if, if they had you on our side, you know? Okay. What do they want me to do? Do you know? Well, uh. I know they were just gonna get a polygraph and then that way they could rule you out. And then they would have better, better hold on this, on the investigation as far as going after other people once they prove that, you know, that you pass the lie detector test. And like I was telling Chris, I said, you know, even if he did hit him, it was self-defense. This call is from a correctional facility and may be monitored and recorded. All they need is to get you out of the way so they could go full steam ahead. And it's like it's like a roadblock right now. You know, everything that we thought is being confirmed. So, you know, my dad had no defensive wounds and the pathologist right. said um, he thinks he was struck from behind um, and if if you were going in circles with it, he would have defensive wounds. So he said, I think he didn't see it coming. So everything that we've uncovered does not point to you. And the cops, they realize that. And, you know, this is the furthest we've ever gotten. And it's so close. They're supposed to be bringing uh, visits back, visitation back up yet. Visits if you guys come up. Um, I'm... I'm going to go tomorrow and ask a caseworker tomorrow for a couple of visiting farms. Um, if, if you want if, if you want me to, and then I'll send them to you that way. Okay. It, it, it'd be easier and stuff like I mean, that for us to talk, whatever. But and I know you're, more time. you know, I know that, um, you know, I, I try to put myself in your shoes and think about, you know, not only, you know, we all suffered from this. Um, you know, you right, exactly. you sat in jail for three years, um, right. and I think that um, you know, just they're just so close. You know, I. Do you know? Do you know who a is? Yes. Who is? Man, I've heard that name. I mean, I've been to a whole lot. You know, I've had. You know, I've had a lot of injuries over the years, and the name just sounds so familiar. I don't know why, but it does. I'll never forget it. I, I mean, I still see that in my night. You know, I still have nightmares over it, and I still see his face today, you know? Like, I see him standing right in front of me. But mm-hmm. I promise that they're, they're not going to, they're not going for you. I can promise you that. Mm-hmm. We, yeah, we have given them enough. I don't see how they could, but, I mean, I don't see how they could, but then again, I don't, you know, they they have already won. I'm going to try to get a hold of my attorney this week, 
small town forgotten so he has said yes again I wish I could say at the time of this recording that it has already happened but it hasn't oh he still says that he's in and these things do take time but when it comes down to the moment will he follow through it might not seem much to you taking a polygraph test or cooperating with the police But remember, this is a man who spent three years in prison waiting for a trial that never happened. He told the St. Francis County Sheriff's Department the very weekend of the murder that Jimmy Wade was not the person that he hit, and they didn't believe him. Or maybe they did believe him, but felt that a stranger confessing was a lot more palatable than a local killing another local. Again. No one working on the case then is working on the case now. But that fact doesn't matter. 
David Brian White doesn't see law enforcement as individual people. He sees them as a system bent on keeping him in prison. I've never asked him why he is in prison now, although it's not much of a stretch to conclude that his three years in prison for this crime could have contributed to the cycle of his life. What did Andrea say? Whatever good you do, good comes to you? Do you believe that? Taking a polygraph test may not seem like an act of bravery, but it could be. The risk is real. Polygraph tests track your physiological reactions to a series of questions. How can you know it will accurately read that you're telling the truth if the entire situation causes you anxiety? In short, it causes physiological reactions. Again, you would have to trust the system. Trust the people giving you the test. That they understand the variance of error. That truth will prevail. Trusting them is brave. And he would be doing it for the twins. Because of his compassion for them. Because of his goodness. One more person tipping the scales to justice for Jimmy Wade Martin. I can only believe that goodness will come back to him. Break his cycle. Bring him redemption. Next time on Small Town Forgotten, I talk to people who were at the bar that night. And deep down in my heart, I still think it's I mean, everybody, I mean, everybody in that town suspected him. That's why I don't understand why wasn't he questioned? Why wasn't he taken in? Why didn't he behind bars? Small Town Forgotten is presented by Blueburn Productions, writer and executive producer Vanessa Martin, creative and executive producer Ashton Holsey, director and executive producer Sean Lee Martin, and myself. Small Town Forgotten is produced in association with Vagrant Media Productions, Brett Wiley, Jake Delaloy, Caleb Cook. Podcast distribution and digital strategy by Logan Janis with Kerrigan Ventures. Original music written and performed by Todd Holsey. For more information, please visit smalltownforgotten.com. Please like, follow, and subscribe on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Special thanks to the twins, Andrea and Angela, for their perseverance. I'm your host, Chris Holsey. Thanks for listening to Small Town Forgotten.